Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. As you guys may be aware, um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have made some news over the last few days because of a response video that Stephen A. Smith put out in response to, um, was it Paul George? Because Paul George talked about Stephen A. Smith on the show where he basically said that Stephen A. Smith has no right to talk about, you know, coming back and playing and all of that stuff when he's never played basketball. And then Stephen A. Smith, he did an entire show addressing what Paul George said and various people went back and forth about it, right? In the midst of all of that, however, there's something kind of hanging over the Los Angeles Clippers, which is the Clippers find themselves in a very interesting spot because now they are tasked with the responsibility of figuring out whether or not they want to offer both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George contract extensions. As you guys may be aware by now, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have simply not been available for the Clippers uh, essentially since they got them, right? Obviously, they had the bubble year, but the very next season, Paul George played 48 games. The season after that, he played 54 games. Uh, the season after that, he played 31 games. And then last year, he played 56 games and missed the playoffs because he was injured. Kawhi Leonard, um, his first year with the Clippers, he played 57 games. That was because of the lockout. I'm not that he had the bubble, excuse me. And then, of course, the very next season, he only played 52 games, and then he missed an entire year. <laughs> and then last year, he played 52 out of the available 82 games. And then, of course, he was only able to he was only able to play the first two games. Uh, what is it? Only able to play the first two games um, in the first round of these particular uh, playoffs, and he got injured uh, after two games. Right. So it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't a good time. So essentially what happened was um, I was doing some research this morning and I came across an article on uh, what is it, Fadeaway World, but it was kind of linking to the podcast, the ESPN podcast called Hoops Collective. And in this podcast, they were essentially discussing the probability of the Clippers offering two contract max contract extensions to both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And essentially during this show, Brian Windhorse and others said they see absolutely no way that the Clippers will offer both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George max uh, extensions. So what we want to do is want to quickly play this conversation for you guys here and then want to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. Uh, so Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can both extend um for four seasons and 224 million dollars uh Kawhi can extend now um paul has to wait until september 1st to extend um i don't think there's any chance that those guys get four-year extensions um they both can be free agents after next season because they have player options um there's no chance that they're getting extended four years i would be stunned if they get extended four years that doesn't mean that they can't get extended though and that the clippers won't make an offer maybe even a multi-year offer um and this is one of the big questions i think for this 
upcoming season that hasn't been answered yet. What are the Clippers going to do with PG and Kawhi? And McMahon, I think, um, obviously, health plays a huge factor here, but also leverage. Typically, mm-hmm. a player is um, a star player has the leverage because he's like, well, listen, if you don't sign me, I'm going to be an unrestricted free agent. I'm going to walk. Um, there's certainly interest in these guys, but I don't know how much there's a belief that these guys would leave Los Angeles. Well, uh, yeah, there, there's that. And, and like, also, it would be, I'd be curious to see exactly how much interest there would be. Obviously, we're talking about all NBA talent, um, you know, with Kawhi, multi-times finals MVP, but like, I just, there's teams that aren't going to be really excited about signing up for, hey, you play when you want to play. And it's not just a game to game type situation, but like it's a half to half kind of situation. And I think the Clippers lean so much into obviously, you know, open up this potential championship window when you get a Kawhi Leonard in free agency and a, and a Paul George and kind of as part of that free agency. You're going to, you know, those guys will have control of the franchise. And you kind of get a sense that they're trying to figure out, hey, what's the right mix here between us actually being able to run our team um, and, you know, and having those guys be the, the star players. And the, the deal hasn't produced what the Clippers were anticipating, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. This one's tough. And the other factor is, um, the Clippers are opening up a new arena. That is, uh, there's another, then there's the other, other factor, which is James Harden. Yeah. Um, and if they are able to execute that type of trade, um, number one, do they extend Harden? They Actually, can't, can't extend be extended. Harden. Can't extend. You're That's right. right. Um, number one, do they wait and see how that group looks together? Number two, um, is that something that, you know, acquiring Harden changes the, calculus i don't know um i just know there's a lot of unanswered questions with the clippers uh right now so you heard what they said that he doesn't see it happening now listen Kawhi leonard's stock has dropped considerably and it has really nothing to do with his basketball game because when Kawhi leonard is healthy i personally believe he's one of the three best players in the world obviously people are going to push back on me but that's what i believe when he's healthy but the problem is is that he's never healthy right so i'm fully aware of how it's how i'm fully aware of how it sounds saying well you know trying to argue with people oh if he's healthy you know how that's a losing battle because people are always going to say but when is he healthy when is so i don't even engage in that argument because it's not smart on my end because i'm never going to win it so i just try to avoid it altogether because i know what the pushback is going to be people are going to say but he's never healthy so we don't want to hear that so i understand that and i don't try to make that argument um but i do think that the issue with Kawhi leonard is obviously his availability right number one number two Kawhi leonard does also have a reputation of load managing which also hurts his entire uh reputation altogether right he low manages and in the fact he's never healthy in the case of paul george um you know paul george has also had some injuries as well right and if you're looking at these two stars as a matter of fact when they lost that first round when they lost in the first round i was one of the people that that actually said they should consider breaking up this duo 
I initially said that. Now, um, I, I have said that if I were them, I would probably move Paul George. Some people have pushed back on me like, um, what is it, tour off for sports? He didn't push back directly on me, but he pushed back on he pushed back on the notion of why would you trade Paul George when he's usually more available than Kawhi Leonard? And my response to that is if we're looking at both of these players, both of them are injury prone. Um, but Kawhi Leonard, however, is the better player, right? So when you have him, he's certainly the better player. I didn't see a way, for instance, I'll give you guys an example of what I mean. If you had replaced Kawhi Leonard with Paul George in the first round of the playoffs against the Phoenix Suns, I thought that the Clippers would have absolutely zero chance of beating the Suns. But if you have Kawhi Leonard without Paul George and the rest of the, the cast that they had, I thought they had a chance to beat them. I think Kawhi is that much better than Paul. Not that Paul George isn't a great player. He is, but I believe Kawhi Leonard is better. So if, I think if you're if you're considering both of these guys, you're taking a risk any way you look at it because they're both injury prone. So for me, I would kind of roll the dice on the guy that I believe um, has a higher ceiling and that can give me more when he's available right so that's kind of how i would kind of decide whether or not who i would trade but this is just me right now we've had some people out there saying no 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 no. let's keep them you know let's give it one more shot but to me man i would do something else because essentially what's going to happen is the clippers are going to go into this season hoping and wishing and that's a very bad place to be as an organization because you're pretty much holding your breath for the entire season, just waiting for something to go wrong. Like that's not a real, that's not a fun place to be as an organization. If we're being honest, with, if I, if I'm being honest, so I think the report that these guys just laid out, I think there's some truth to it. I think there's some serious uh, trepidation there, and I think, I mean, because you're making, if you're going to do that, you're going to commit a lot of money to these guys, right? So to commit all of that money, that of course they brought in the 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 vantage point of the new arena. You're gonna want someone to sell tickets and you know be a draw to draw people into the arena. So the Clippers find themselves in a very vicarious position because now you put forth this capital and investment in this arena, right? And you gotta fill in you gotta fill in the seats and all of this stuff. These guys have put all this money down, and these guys I'm talking about Steve Ballmer and ownership and these guys. So they put all of this money down, and you're gonna need a return. You're gonna need a draw. And it's going to be very hard to draw fans in when you have an amalgamation of essentially role players. You're going to need some star names, some marquee names to bring into the building. And also it helps if you're winning games and going to the playoffs. So the Clippers are in a very, very tough spot because I believe they hedged their bet on this duo. Right. And I want to quickly close on this one point here. Um, Paul George is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, during the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, I think Paul George's show was releasing episodes during the playoffs or towards when the team was getting ready for the playoffs. And I said it then, and I'm going to say it now. I said I said I thought that was a bad look. I thought it was a bad look. Some people pushed back on me. And they were like, nah, what do you expect? Like, he, he's going to rehab, and then what you expect him to rehab all day long? And I'm like, listen, listen, this is not a good look. Why? Because number one, you're dealing with a fan base that is extremely frustrated, extremely frustrated. And if, I, if, I, if I'm being honest, I think Clipper fans could could care less if they saw Paul George sitting on a podcast. If I'm just being totally honest with you, I think Clipper fans would only want to see Paul George either on the court 
or doing some workout footage or rehab rehab footage. But to see him in a podcast and he's just there talking, trust me, trust me, trust me, that wasn't a good look in my personal view. To me, I think you got to sense the moment. I think you got to sense the moment because at that point, fans are anxious. They're anxious. They're grasping the straws. Kawhi Leonard has gone down. Is Paul George going to play? And trust me, it seemed like a t- I, if it was me, I would have shut it down, man, because I would have been like, no, and ain't nobody trying to see me right now. Right? Ain't nobody trying to see me right now. Like, that's just me. That is just me, and maybe I'm different in that way, but I would have shut it down. Right? Not saying that you don't live your life and all of that stuff. Nobody's saying that. You can live your life, but I would live it out of the public eye because the minute they're seeing you and they're looking at you, fans are going to be like, well, can he play? I mean, he looks pretty comfortable. Before It starts all of this kind of talk. All of this kind of talk. And to me, I thought it was, I just didn't think it was a good look. But, you know, that's just me. To me, I just think you got to be able to read the room, man. You know, you got to be able to read the room. And, um, you know, if you look at your team, and in this case, your fan base, and you see them grasping at straws, for anything to get some type of help in the playoffs, you know, at a moment like that, people want to see you looking sad. People want to see you, you know, looking down and or like working. I'm telling you, nobody wants to see you smiling at that point, laughing. They don't want to see it. Is it right or wrong? You know what? I don't think it's wrong, to be totally frank with you. I don't think it's wrong. The fans have a right to have an opinion about stuff like that because they're paying you $50 million a year. So what is this? Like, well, you're saying, well, well, I'm not allowed to be in a human being. Nobody's saying you're not allowed to be a human being, but you're beholden to some of these fans because they're the ones paying you. You work for the fans, whether you want to believe it or not, because if the fans don't participate, they don't patronize the product. Where is the money coming from? So you got to be cautious of that. You really, really got to be sensitive about that if, if it's just me. So I think you got to be aware of it. And sometimes you forego certain um, 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 uh, what is it? Certain, um, uh, luxuries. Now you may say, am I an animal? Please stop. Please stop. There are people that work just as hard as the next guy and they don't earn millions of dollars a year and they got to do it every single day. Nobody's here feeling sorry. For, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling sorry for nobody. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, the Mark Jackson news is the big news, right? We did a live about it. We discussed it. But there's an aspect of this story that I haven't touched, which is basically the fan reaction uh, to this news. I think some people don't realize, and maybe the people at ESPN don't realize, apart from the maybe the monetary decision that went behind making this this the, this this decision, but I don't think they realize the backlash um, that this move uh, by get by getting rid of Mark Jackson what it's created. When I tell you guys that a lot of NBA fans are in an uproar over this decision to fire Mark Jackson, you just won't believe it. You see, here's what's been happening, and here's what I've been noticing. There are a lot of people out there that have maybe an issue with Disney or an issue with ESPN as a whole, right? Or maybe they have an issue with Disney, and it's now kind of carrying over to ESPN. A lot of people already have formed strong opinions about that network. A lot, a lot 
a lot of people. A lot of people were not happy about some of the things that have been taking place over the last few years uh, at ESPN. You then find yourself in a situation where you let go of all of these big names, you know, that day when they got rid of all those Max Kellerman, all of these guys. And in the midst of all of that, because we produce a lot of shows around that, I cannot tell you the number of people that I heard in the comment section that I've read where people say, why did they why did they keep Kendrick Perkins? Why did they keep Malika Andrews? Why did they keep this person? Why did they keep that person? And then you come to this Mark Jackson firing. I can't tell you guys how many creators I've listened to today that have talked about how they're not going to support ESPN any longer. If they're going to watch NBA games, they're going to be lowering the volume. If I go through some of the comments that people are leaving on our channel, some people are saying Mark Jackson is a hell of an analyst uh, for the NBA. Man, that's some BS. I'm through with ESPN. Another person, ESPN losing all that money because they continue to push various agendas. Another person, uh, games won't sound the same again without Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. Another person, um, um, for those of you who don't know, ESPN is owned by Disney, blah, 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 blah. And it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And to me, I just wonder if these guys are aware of what the impact is of some of their decisions. As I said before, and I'm going to say it again, a lot of these TV stations, they get feedback in terms of the performance of their show, but they're looking at totally different markers. They're looking at age, demographic, what time, households, all of those different things, what devices are they watching on? And they kind of take the various sample sizes and then they use Nielsen scan. Uh, 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 what is it? Um, they use a totally different system and they now feed that information to advertisers and all of these different things. But in the case of, for example, YouTube, whenever you create content here, there are various feedback mechanisms in place that can inform a particular creator whether or not people enjoy their content beyond just the number of views it gets or maybe the demographics. In the case of YouTube, you have something called the like button. Now they've hit they've hit the dislike button, but of course you have the like button. That's a way of that's a way of tracking, you know, the sentiment of the content that you're putting out. You may not be able to see the dislikes in this case, and we're referring to the audience, but the creator can. You can see the like to dislike ratio within your analytics. Another one that's very powerful is the comment section. So if you put out a piece of content, you may think it's good, right? You may think, oh man, this is a great idea to produce this show. But if you produce the show and maybe it's getting a lot of views, right? You think it's a good thing. But if you don't go read the comments, you won't get a good sentiment of that. I'll give you guys an example. We had a video that performed exceptionally well. It was around um, the time Shannon Sharp you know, when he left Undisputed and we did a video about why him and Skip Bayless didn't shake hands or something like that. And the video got a lot of views, like 150,000 views, but almost all of the comments, people were disagreeing with me. They were like, man, no, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. This is wrong. You're wrong for this one. You're wrong. So although it generated a lot of views, yes, it did. But the vast majority of the people disagreed with the content that we put out. So therefore, I was able to get a better understanding of whether or not this, con this piece of content is resonating with people. And to me, I think... The most surprising part is that these decisions that they're making is like they're unaware of how people are receiving them. 
That's the part. Now, some people may say, listen, it's not about how people are perceiving them. They're making financial decisions. And these decisions have to be made. And if they don't make the, these, if they don't make the tough decisions, they're going to be repercussions for these decisions. Well, really, is that the case? I'll give you guys an example. As you know, Pat McAfee um, just signed on with ESPN. I was reading an article today from uh, Front Office Sports where they were discussing the, the, the fact that Pat McAfee is going to be judged by, by much stricter standards. Let me give you guys an example of what I'm talking about. Pat McAfee was probably the biggest independent sports creator out there. Pat McAfee, his show was huge, right? He had so many supporters, so many people loved him. The moment Pat McAfee said that he's deciding to join ESPN, if you saw the backlash that he got from his own supporters, we're not talking about people that don't like, we're talking about his own supporters and people that were upset with his decision to go and join ESPN. Some people, I'm not going to watch the show again. Some people are like, it's never going to be the same again. A lot of people were upset with that decision. And then you relate it back to this one and it's like you make a decision like this and so many people disagree. So many people disagree. I think that's telling. I really think it's telling. I think you want to be making decisions that is going to excite your audience, get them get them energized. Like, man, did you see who they just got? I'll give you guys an example of this. There was some news that came out recently and some videos where you saw Stephen A. Smith uh, publicly recruiting, lobbying to get Shannon Sharp. And when people heard the possibility that Shannon Sharp might be joining Undisputed, so many people were excited, including me. What? You're going to see Shannon Sharp on Undisputed once a week? Blah, blah, blah. So many people were excited. They were like, yeah, I think that would be a great move. Great move. This would be fantastic. Right? A move that a lot of people can get behind. But in these moves that they're making, with these moves that they're making, man, you know, it's, it's like they don't realize the impact of their decisions beyond the monetary aspect of it. Because people are upset. If you go around the internet and read comments about content being produced about this Mark Jackson news, you will see the vast majority of the NBA fans are disappointed about this news. And I think that's telling. Now, maybe they knew this and they had to make this decision anyway. But to me, nevertheless, it's very surprising that so many people are disagreeing with this decision to now let go of Mark Jackson and then before let go of Jeff Van Gundy to me, which is really surprising because I think they I thought they did a great job. And some people are not happy about Doc Rivers and Doris Burke. Now, not to say Doris Burke is not obviously she knows basketball very well. I've heard her cover a lot of games. She's fantastic. No one is saying that people are just upset that they let go of Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, and Mark Jackson, if I'm being quite honest with you. And some people are not really feeling the Doc Rivers hire. But hey, um, you know, this is just this is just some people's opinion. And obviously, the people that have these opinions are not decision makers and people are going to make the decisions because it's their company. So now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. A big piece of news dropped yesterday. I was actually done shooting for the day we were done. And then um, somebody from Dreamers Pro sent us uh, a story in the group chat. And it said that Mark Jackson got fired. I was like, what? Mark Jackson. So we quickly did some research. And then we went live and we started to discuss it. And I was very surprised. And a lot of people that were watching that live were very, very surprised. And as a matter of fact, when the news first broke, 
we were re- I mean, there were there were there were there were myriad uh, of sources that were actually discussing the news. But the place we actually uh, read from was from Yahoo Sports. And essentially what they said at Yahoo was ESPN lays off Mark Jackson reportedly plans to hire Doc Rivers, promote Doris Burke. The article then went on to say ESPN's ongoing talent shakeup is expected to produce a dramatically revamped a team for its NBA broadcast. The network laid off longtime analyst Mark Jackson on Monday, according to the New York Post, Andrew Marchand. ESPN is planning to promote analyst Doris Burke to call NBA games alongside lead play-by-play man Mike Breen next season. It's also expected to hire Doc Rivers to complete the three-man person team that anchors the network's NBA Finals coverage. ESPN did not publicly address the news after it broke Monday afternoon. Contracts, contract discussions with Burke and Rivers are still pending, but expected to be finalized per the report. So that's uh, the, the first bit of news that we read um, on the live and everyone kind of gave their thoughts about it. So this morning, I was a bit eager to, to see um, if there was going to be any information in terms of Mark Jackson possibly making a statement about this news. And it turns out, um, according to what's this website here, Deadline.com, Mark Jackson actually did break his silence um, about the news. And he had some pretty, uh, you know, surprising and dare I say shocking thoughts because apparently he was actually blindsided uh, by the firing. So let me get into this article here. It basically starts off with the headline NBA announcer Mark Jackson confirms ESPN exit. I was told my services were no longer needed. Mama, there goes that man. That, that that signature tagline will no longer be heard on ESPN NBA broadcast as longtime announcer Mark Jackson joins the ranks of on-air talent laid off late by the network. Almost exactly a month ago, Jackson broadcast partner Jeff Van Gundy was among the 20-odd bold-faced names let go by the network. Since then, speculation has abounded about Jackson's fate. The move came as a surprise to Jackson, however. This morning, unexpectedly, I was informed that my services were no longer needed at ESPN, Jackson wrote on his, uh, on social media this evening. Although shocked and dismayed with the suddenness of it all, I would like to thank ESPN and all the staff of, ESP, of NBA ESPN crew for allowing me to be a part of the organization for the past fifth years. The article then continues on to say Jackson confirmed his, his departure with Peter uh, Vesey uh, earlier today. Vesey reported that Jackson has two years left on his contract, which the network will have to pay out in order to bring former 76ers coach Doc Rivers and NBA broadcast veteran Doris Burke on as play-by-play announcer Mike Breen on air uh, cohort. So essentially, um, you know, that's what the article uh, had to say there right that mark jackson is gone and as a matter of fact he was absolutely blindsided by the news now yesterday when the news originally broke we had a myriad of thoughts some of them were why a lot of people just could not believe it i was reading a lot when i say a lot i'm talking about a lot of comments in the live chat uh where people were just basically saying espn got this one wrong espn got this one wrong now we know the information out there that ESPN has a $5.5 billion debt that they have to service and they're cord cutting and they're cut slashing a lot of these high paid jobs. I mean, for example, if you look at the salary that Max Kellerman was earning, Max Kellerman was making about $5 million per annum. That's just one person. If you think about all of these talents, 
in aggregate, just think about the amount of savings they're making per year. It must be it must be over 40, 50 million dollars. a year. I don't know, but it must be a pretty large sum for them to be laying off uh, some of these high profile names. I mean, you're talking about Max Kellerman, Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Now you're talking about Mark Jackson. And I don't think this is the end of it. I think they're going to be more layoffs on the way. You better, better believe it. Now, there's another bit of news here that may, may be flying under the radar, which is by them firing Mark Jackson and promoting Doris Burke, they're going to make history because Doris Burke now with her calling NBA Finals games, it will be the first time in, NBA, in history that a woman will be calling an NBA Finals game. So ESPN is making a bit of history there. Maybe that was something that influenced their decision to do that. I don't know, right? ESPN has been doing a lot of things that's left a lot of us here scratching their heads. Um, it seems like they are transfixed on doing things that alienate their male uh, customer base for whatever reason. I don't understand why you would do things to alienate your customers. And then still expect them to patronize your product is something that is beyond my uh, my 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 level of understanding. I don't know why they feel that by doing things to alienate their viewers, uh, they're going to continue to get these people to be loyal to them. I don't understand that. I really, really don't understand that. In terms of Mark Jackson, I'm very, very surprised to be quite honest with you because he was really good. I don't think there are any complaints about the job Mark Jackson has done over the years. Right. So to me, um, you know, I think there are more of these type of firings that are going to come. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know what the future is going to be for ESPN. If I'm being totally frank with you, I don't know. I don't know because they're cleaning house. They're cleaning house now. Maybe they're going to bring in fresh blood, new talent that's going to cost them a little bit less. But really, is that the case? For example, you saw all of these high profile personalities that they let go. And then all of a sudden they bring it, bring in a Pat McAfee, who I think is going to be making eighty five million dollars. Right. So Mac, Pat McAfee isn't cheap. He isn't cheap. He's his salary covers at least three personalities working at the network. But I think Pat McAfee is going to bring them a premium that's maybe some of these guys don't bring them. But to me, um, I think ESPN is still in flux. I think the last person you need to be listening to about the state of affairs of ESPN or its employees like Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith is not a decision maker at ESPN. No matter how much he likes to talk like he is, he's not. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is an employee at ESPN. He can be fired at ESPN. You need to listen to the to the movers and shakers, the Bob Igers, the CEOs of Disney and all of these guys, because these are the ones that are really pulling the strings. And these are the guys that are going to be making the decisions moving forward. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.